0: Hey everybody! Great podcast for you today. We're going to be uh, talking about women in ministry. We're going to have a special guest. Her name is Nikki Stone. She's in seminary, and she's going to give us her perspective along with some other discussions that I think you'll find very interesting. So grab a coffee, sit back, and enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Yeah. Good evening, we are All Out War and this is our podcast episode number four with uh, Rosie. What's up, Rosie?
1: What's up? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> and Cody. What's going on, guys?
0: And I am Hooch and we have a special guest tonight in the house. We have my good friend Nikki. Nikki.
2: What's I'm up? nervous.
0: You're nervous. No, you're Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I
2: forgot.
0: <laughs> Nikki is a good friend and she is a uh, a woman who I hope that my daughters will grow to be like uh, someday because Nikki is all about understanding her theology and she is currently attending seminary. You're at, is it
2: Columbia? Which? Columbia International University.
0: Okay. And that's in South Carolina. Yep. And uh, what are you studying? Over there,
2: I am actually studying um, intercultural studies. Um, I started out as ministry leadership and then kind of uh, went through a wrestling process of um, changing over to ICS, but it's a lot of the same courses: cool. Bible and theology and culture and okay, yeah, evangelism, missions.
0: What, what would you say your biggest passion is right now? Um,
2: evangelism and apologetics. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Those are really good. They go hand in hand, too.
2: They do. That's the thing. They're, yeah. yeah, they're siblings. Um, and then also I mean, women in ministry for sure, like we're going to I think tackle tonight.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about women in ministry. We got a couple things we want to we want to run by you and my goal is is we're three dudes that sit around and talk and um and it's a it's a real pleasure to have a, a, a female voice in here, someone who is thinking this through a little bit and so we are gonna ask about the impact of current culture and also evangelical Christian culture on women and um in then in light of what the Bible has to say and how how it kind of uh holds women in ministry in light. But also we were gonna talk about some other things um, as we move through the through the evening in the podcast, but um, I wanted to just start off by uh, sharing something that I was reading this week in Matthew. I'm going through my devotions in Matthew, and uh, I'm, I started over in Matthew, and I was in chapter two with uh, Jesus when he was after he was born, and uh, and Joseph gets visited by a, an angel several times, mm-hmm. and when Jesus is born, at, at in one point when you get to Matthew chapter two, starting in verse eleven, it just says. Uh, it just says on his uh, well I'll start in, I'll start actually in verse nine it says after they had heard the heard the king, this is speaking of the magi. it says they went on the, went on their way and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it until it appeared over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And so um, that word child is what I wanted to look at for a minute because the word child in that language, it's it's in the original Greek, it's used a couple different times um, in in those verses in reference to Jesus because we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He went down there and, uh, well, he was in Mary, went down because of the census. And then he was born in Bethlehem. He stays a short time in Bethlehem. And then um, and then they uh, the Vagi, the, the, Ma- <laughs> the magi visit him. I don't I want to get that clear. And, uh, and then he has uh, he's Joseph sworn in a dream to escape to Egypt and he goes down to Egypt for a short period of time, probably um, one to two years until Herod dies, which he dies around four BC. And, um, and so we know that when the Magi meet with Jesus to give him the gifts, he's probably about two years old. Mm-hmm. He's not an infant, as like our Christmas stories would, would indicate. Mm-hmm. But what I love about it is the Greek word that they use for that word child, the root of the Greek word actually means servant. I'm going to look it up real quick here. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to look it up so I can say the actual word and the, the, nu- the number that it is. But um, when you get to verse uh, 11 there, um, it says clearly that uh, it says child there. And, and the Greek word there that they use for child is uh, paidion. And when you go to the etymology of the word, which would be the, Greek, the, the root word of it, it's G3817 uh, and it's Paos, And it means child, boy or girl, servant, slave, an attendant or servant of a king
1: hmm.
0: or a minister. Mm. And so I love that wrapped up in the word child, the Greek word there, hidden in the root of that word, yeah. is this idea of a servant, of a king, a minister. And so uh, it just brought so much more depth to the purpose of Jesus coming and how he, how much he humbled himself. Absolutely. Leaving yeah. heaven, becoming a king. Uh, from a king becoming a a servant uh, you know a suffering servant he's going to give his life so even in his birth was this kind of buried in there in the wording uh, the purpose of his coming as a servant of of God and a minister and so uh, I just was moved by that and it just reminded me of just how awesome God has worked out every detail Mm -hmm. and how if we look in God's word a little bit deeper, you can always find these nuggets and these things that will. If you just look a little bit, uncover a little bit, pray it through, look at them, and um, you know, don't try and make something happen, but let them be exposed for what they are. It's really encouraging, and so I found that earlier this week. And then I was going through a little bit further, and I was um, now I'm picking apart five chapter five, which is the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not going to really talk about that tonight, but but um, that that Sermon on the Mount is. Pretty, pretty cool. The first twenty, you know, twenty or so verses, is all about our witness. It's mm-hmm. all about a disciple. What is a disciple going to look like, and what's the attitude and heart and purpose and all those things? And so, and I in particular love verses 17 through 20, the fulfillment of the law. And um, you know, there's a lot of confusion about the law and the life of a Christian and believers. And is the Old Testament law done? Is do we have to heed it? Is it still active today? And all those things. So maybe we can talk about that next week. Um, but, uh, so that was, that's our little bit of Bible opening up there. Cody, you got anything you want to share about Um,
1: that? I kind of piggybacked on, um, what you were studying, I guess, that morning. And it led to me, led me to the Luke 640 where it talks about, you know, the child aspect. But Jesus, God the Father, doesn't intend all of us to be children in that developmental stage. He intends for us to follow through with our call to be holy. To be holy as I am holy. And so Luke 6:40 uh, says when a man is fully trained, he will be like his teacher. And that's like uh, the call for every single believer is that we enter as infants, we enter as born again small, feeble um very in need of spiritual milk, but God's not re, God's not satisfied with us being there, and neither should we. And so when we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we see how he progressed in a natural state as a young infant to child to man. And he gives us command here. He says, when a man is fully trained, he is, he will be like his teacher. I just think that the consistent witness of scripture is that we are not supposed to be left as orphans, mm. spiritually or uh, even physically. We're not supposed to be tangibly, materially, without being satisfied in the Lord. That's the Beatitudes. It talks about the blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, we're not supposed to be left that way. God's not satisfied, and neither should we. We've got a great example. Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, to the very end, counted all things joy, even... Even the points of suffering, suffering of death, and we will be like him in our sufferings. We will be like him when we rejoice uh, in the victories. And so, I like teach how it, me God. I like how it says "fully trained." Yeah, there. And
0: uh, it's really an, that's being fully trained. Like it, I immediately mm. think of Hebrews twelve when it talks about God disciplines those whom He loves, yeah. and if you don't if you're not disciplined then you're an illegitimate child you don't belong to him and no one who is disciplined at the time considers it to be Mm -hmm. enjoyable or pleasant but at the end it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace and uh, those two two things together and I always think about how much more we all need yeah and like what area is God about to just throw down and start disciplining (laughs) right right yeah we've all gone through it like if you walk with Jesus any amount of time you're going to go through that and um but that fully trained, It's you're right, he hasn't left us as orphans, so we're not illegitimate. Mm-hmm. And we, we, are, we do have a father. He's adopted us, given us a name, and so therefore he's going to be active in our life to sanctify us, to bring us into
3: his image. So that's awesome.
0: What about you, Rosie? Anything cool happening with you uh, in the good book this week?
3: Nothing in particular to add to this, <laughs> this conversation. You guys killed it. We, yeah. we
0: killed, killed it. I, right. I can't
3: add anything. That's awesome.
0: All right, well, let's talk to Nikki about women in ministry. <laughs> let's get this down. Let's make this happen. So, all right, first question for you, Nikki. Totally. Um, what is, or have you personally experienced any type of um, resistance in ministry being a woman?
2: <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. um i was actually thinking about this on the way here i i don't believe i have honestly with brothers in the faith i haven't ever seriously felt like um someone was opposed to me um, gaining an education or pursuing ministry in a in a full-time way um i think that the the you can't I wouldn't classify it as opposition. There is something else that that I'll simultaneously acknowledge and, and I wouldn't classify it as opposition, but I will I would describe it as, um, I guess, an implicit message uh, by way of what is not on display. Uh, and what I mean by that is, there aren't, um, women aren't visibly in leadership roles in complementarian churches, um, or at least have not been in my walk so far, which is one person, one you know experience. So it's it's not the word of God. We hear you, we hear you. <laughs> yeah. based on your experience. Yeah, yeah. That's what I asked, I asked right. about your experience. Hashtag anecdote. Yeah. Um,
1: I'd agree with that too, by the way. Yeah, so.
2: My so,
1: experience as a male. Seen that? Yeah, it hasn't really been displayed well. We've talked about that term. For, yeah, yeah, we are. We, we've talked about that, but sorry. Yeah, no, I you're agree. fine.
2: So I would say that the opposition that comes in is less in a confrontational way with another human being, and more of a um, uh, like us in a spiritual way for the woman, because you really question the pursuit of ministry. Because it's like, there aren't very many examples right. of people like you doing it.
0: <laughs> so, so you can serve in nursery, or you can serve in... Administration. Women, women's ministry, or you could be, yeah, you could be an admin. Right. Um, so, you know, I, this is really interesting because um, just recently I was put on a personal journey to explore this for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was brought up in a, in a church, and I served at a church for many years, mm-hmm. um, where... You know we which I believe is appropriate is that men should lead right um, and the I don't necessarily go to the Timothy and Titus verses for support to those particular things they The men that I worked with would say, well, Timothy and Titus, they say about about the requirements for a pastor that it always is in the in the masculine and it always says husband of one wife and and mm. you know his family. And so it always is it's always looking to an elder as a male role which um which typically is the case historically through the bible the old and new testament elders were men um but but i think even further back than that god ordained structure in the relationship and when you get to you know in particular so let's use marriage as an example mm-hmm. so you have a husband a and wife and complementarian absolutely but each have unique purposes and responsibilities in their roles. Right. And then when you pull up all the way into the New Testament, when you get to Romans six, Paul talks about marriage being an illustration between Christ and the church. And so mm-hmm. there is a structure that I believe pushes through that. hmm And um and so it it's always difficult because I've had conversations mm-hmm. and there are denominations that will have women as pastors. Right. In particular. And and um I'm not even saying that I 100% disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I am saying is that if there's a capable called man, that just like in a marriage, mm-hmm. the man should step up to his responsible role right, to bring the most glory to God in serving in that way. Mm-hmm. And emphasis on serving, not, right. not necessarily. Not lording over. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Which is another whole another topic of church leadership in, that it's been flipped upside down In a lot of ways too, so that Mm -hmm. would help it if that would help get that proper if they understood that part as well. Right. But um, so I guess what my point is is when when you say that you experienced like basically minimal opportunities, what do you see are the opportunities that could be awarded you in the local church?
2: Totally. I love that question. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I think. You know, there's this idea, this biblical idea that men and women are equal in value. Um, And I think the breakdown comes in um, that message not being communicated properly via um, opportunities and and encouragement through opportunities to grow in the faith. Um, One of those uh, roles that I think could be better utilized is... I mean, I know you mentioned this earlier in a sort of cheeky way, but even the women who are in charge of women's ministries are often not even on staff. They're they're volunteer roles. And um, I'm open to being wrong on this. I've never seriously um, tried to tackle this topic with someone who differs in opinion than me. So I'm open to being persuaded, but it just seems like a, a problematic um, message so I would start with that like if if we can have all of these men on staff and you know praise God for them and their leadership can we not also just like one woman <laughs> like, <laughs> like and I'm talking about ministry roles you know you see women in you know accounting and and sh- child care and uh, event coordinating and yeah, yeah, you know, awesome, but it's a whole different ball game. Um, so I would start there, and then I would also say like, um, and and you don't even have to call you don't have to call us pastors, um, but you could call us ministers. Like, yeah. well, you know, uh, we are ministering.
1: You like that, you like, Cody likes that. <laughs> um, I know Cody likes that. We were I'll talking. I'll like say two things. Yeah. One, I, I I do go to the pastoral pistols historic. That's what they're called the Timothy and Titus for the identity of leadership as the elders. The patriarchy. The patriarchy, <laughs> right, which is just, just means rule of the father. Um, right. I, I do lean to those as male leaders in the sense of eldership, in the sense mm-hmm. of pastors that lead and rule, rule the church. Mm-hmm. With regards to the spiritual gift of teaching, mm-hmm. that is uniquely open to anything or anyone that God bestows that on. Amen. The area of qualification, I guess, is when you roll it back over to the elders, where they have unique ability, those that are apt to teach. There's some elders that are teaching. There's one that's preaching primarily, and he's worthy of double honor. When I, I believe when Peter was referencing a woman shouldn't have the authority over men to teach, he was probably correcting an error saw in Ephesus. I thought Paul right. said that. What did I say? Peter. Peter, oh. Paul, sorry. Yeah, yeah. He was most likely correcting the error he saw in Ephesus, which we don't have too much insight into. He's just giving the correction. He's just giving the absolute, which he wants them to follow as the standard. What we've done is we've just assumed that women shouldn't teach. Right. And that's been a horrible um, pattern because we don't know exactly when that ends. Right. You know, when does teaching end? And then when we do that, we don't even ask, when does it begin? Right. Mm-hmm. Which we automatically exclude it, so, well, we don't know where this will go. And then we won't even go back and revisit, well, what does it mean? Well, we've decided it <laughs> means children, because right. children aren't men. Children <laughs> include both little boys and little girls.
2: But once you turn 18. Yeah. <laughs> right, like when when oh, is that oh, officially, right. like where's that verse? So that's my thing. <laughs> On women, your 18th birthday. Yeah. Right. <laughs> don't women, listen to women. Women in the
1: church should be bestowed with the, the title of, Teaching minister, teachers, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them. I have a side issue as to what paid staff looks like. <laughs> yeah, this well, actually, I want to I want to address that for just a minute. The, but
0: when you're talking about elders, um, in Ephesians four, Paul gives an outline for some government roles, some positions of government within the body of Christ within yeah. the church. So these are a local body. These would be distinctive leadership positions, and and I know it's going to seem odd because we don't see these represented very well today, mm-hmm. although there is a move for this, and I love it. Ephesians four eleven it says it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. So you have five different functioning roles of leadership established in the government. And he says the purpose of those are so that they will be to, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. Um, that measure, that word "measure," by the way, that Greek word for measure is sphere. Sphere, where we talk about like your sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. So we are talking about until we all we t- we, till we all get to that fullness of Christ in our sphere of influence, so that I'm so I may not necessarily be and this is this lends itself to some of that like hey maybe you can minister to these people but right. maybe not these cuz your sphere of influence so right. so i think there is some distinction to be put in place there yeah i think um, the measure of the gift in in like for instance the teaching not there are different levels of teaching ability and communication mm-hmm. skills. Some mm-hmm. people are more prone to be able to uh, teach small groups, mm-hmm. and other people are, are more gifted to speak in front of large groups and communicate effectively that way. N- neither one is more important right, um, in that role because as long as you're doing what God's called you to do. But So when you talk about those positions, uh, like, so is there a place in there for a female evangelist or a female prophet in the sense of, or do you guys view these as like, I'm the elder prophet, I'm the elder evangelist, I'm the elder apostle, so I'm an elder with the gift of apostleship. And when I say apostleship, by the way, it's not I'm writing new doctrines or anything like that. Apostle, (laughs) I want to make a distinction. It means, you know, apostles and prophets, they're kind of uh, scary words in some evangelical churches. Apostles are the sent ones. So when you think of your missionaries, you think of your church planners, you think of those people that are starting new works, even in a, like say you're in a mega church and, mm. and you're you're assigned to start a new ministry that's not existing in that church, that's an apostolic uh, movement. Right. And so the person that would head that up should have apostolic giftings to gather people for the mission, impart vision, set people in place, and all those kind of things. And so w- apostolically... Um, I'm not talking about writing new doctrines and a new book of the Bible. So we're gonna we're gonna open up to
1: First Hooch and um, and read here in verse five. Right. <laughs> I'll say one thing that we probably won't need to address right now because we're going on this path is that there is a whole other line of thinking with regards to the continuation of those two offices, of apostles and pastors. We should. Pastors or prophets? Prophets. I keep messing up, not I. Yeah. Well, Apostles I've, and prophets. Yeah, and I think we should put an asterisk there and maybe revisit that, not to diminish well, the yeah. point that some will have a differing view. These are godly brothers of ours and sisters who have a different view. Just maybe we're not addressing it in that uh,
0: lane. Tonight. Well, that's a that's a different a different podcast. We'll talk. Yeah, about yeah. I next. just want to make that. <laughs> yeah, that but I'm not
1: I, arrogant in saying this is the
0: right. Right. I, I also didn't want to say. Well, I wanted to make the distinction of apostle. People freak out with that word because. Yeah. They, but prophet is another one they freak out. Oh, you're a prophet. Well, you got to remember in the Old Testament, prophets were the mouthpiece of God,
2: mm-hmm. and so
0: they were they were the doctrinal statement of God's heart and character to a, for directing a, a people a nation. Um, and God hasn't. He's closed that canon, if you will. He's not writing anything new. He's not revealing anything new in that sense. But he's still speaking. So you got, like I. I'll just speak to this and then we can move on because I just want to you open something I kind of feel like I have to go through this <laughs> on purpose right, <laughs> thanks but, so like the prophet Nathan when he he uh, was speaking to the nation of Israel on occasion he doesn't have a book in the Old Testament but he was he was right there alongside um, Samuel and some of the other guys that were ministering to the nation at that time leading them but then he, he had goes to David privately with a prophetic utterance right you know to bring him back into alignment and the prophetic ministry, typically would bring people back into alignment with God's word. Mm-hmm. And so when you get into the New Testament, and in particular, um, I think it was Stephen or no, it was Philip. He had seven, what, four daughters, some, mm-hmm. and they were prophets. Cool. It just says that they were prophets. And so right. they were probably ministering to the church, to the body of believers, to help bring encouragement to them, number one, because prof- prophecy is useful for encouragement, building the body up, and correction bringing them back into better alignment what is the heart of God what are we doing have we misstepped have we strayed have we yeah. turned off of what his heart was for the mission and so um, so prophetically it's not like I'm you know Isaiah bringing in messianic you know Peter says we're more right.
1: sure of a prophetic word written down but that doesn't, doesn't leave room for the Lord to move in revealing something that's not to be canonized but it's it's for the moment. Right. It is alive. Mm. It like, is, I don't need God to speak to
0: me any more than what's revealed in his word. Yeah. He doesn't have to. Everything that I need, I'm going to have right here. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't speak. Right. He still reserves the right to speak to people, guide them, to lead them, to move them. And I
1: always you default, know? you want to hear the word of God, go read the word of God. Right. It's my default. Well, yeah. I, I love that, <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> Jesus juke. Someone's like... Let me tell you what God's been speaking to me,
0: and they open up their notebook rather than the Bible. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, show me a verse, man. You know, that I always love when the Lord confirms a direction through a verse. It's really, and you don't have to like do like spiritual gymnastics to make the verse work in your life. (laughs) You know, you don't have to twist it all up. Better when
1: you work with the verse numbers. (laughs) <laughs> like 3:14. Yeah. It was at
0: 3:14 in the middle of the night. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I that so, so convenient. Right. My phone said Anyway, so all right, so let's we got off topic a little bit. But this is what happens, Nikki. We get off topic a totally little bit. Totally chill. But um all right, so so in terms of women in ministry, you you have experienced that and you see that in 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 terms of the in, in the evangelical church that you would like you would prefer to see more women given opportunities to Really step into their spiritual gifting. Absolutely, leadership.
2: yeah. I think, and and I I would be curious to to talk to like middle school and high school aged girls, um, because I know that for me, as a young adult coming into the evangelical community, um, there was a lot of confusion on uh, the connecting what I sensed were my skills yeah. <laughs> and you know gifts from God um, next to what I was, uh, you know, allowed for lack of a better word to, to do within this context. Um, and that confusion fuels, you know, just, um, I think doubt, unnecessary doubt. And, um, yeah. So another thing I would add to, in addition to, uh, um, you know, being on staff for leading a women's ministry is, um, or just being a minister in general is, um, like evangelism and counseling in addition to teaching. Like I've served alongside women, um, it just in volunteer capacities in, in in co-ed groups. And I see, it's just patently obvious to me, like the, the, um, unique, uh, like stuff that women bring to the table in those scenarios and how valuable that is. Mm. Um, And so I'm always like trying to be like a cheerleader, you know, for, for fellow women. um, Because yeah, like I've, I'm beating a dead horse, but it, so many women are questioning whether they're even like valid, you know, yeah, yeah. in ministry, and, and that's a shame because they're God-given gifts that they've been given. So. Well,
0: every time I have a conversation with my wife, I walk away thinking, <laughs> right? yeah. you're way smarter than me. <laughs> Why did I have to get put in the, the one who has to <laughs> make all the decisions? <laughs> all right, let's move on from that for a minute. We might come back to that in a few minutes because I don't, totally. know, I don't know what the answer is directionally without turning the whole apple cart upside down and, and really cause a big problem but um, I can cause
1: a big problem yeah well you like no cause like a problem even there. if I don't even agree with it I'll defend the other person's position
2: a grenade thrower over here
1: he is man
0: so uh, I wanted to talk about um, so there's a huge movement it's been around for a long time but there's a huge movement and it's infiltrating in my mind and mm-hmm. from my my perspective it's infiltrating the church in a very very negative way and um and i and i want to bring up this topic of feminism yeah um and and i I, rosie's gonna come in now yeah rosie's (laughs) laughing but this is one of your favorite things to talk about right
3: i wouldn't say favorite
2: rosie loves (laughs) feminism
0: You do. are you a closet feminist no are you one of those feminist men
3: oh no 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 and i'm not going to say anything that would get me in trouble but uh (laughs) the first wave of feminism was cool yeah i agree yeah. back when they were trying to get the right to vote
0: well, expand, <laughs> expand on that because some of our listeners don't don't understand what you mean by first wave and
3: oh so we're in the third there the category I don't even know what distinguishes the second maybe during the sexual
2: revolution yeah. was yeah. the From second the 1960s I think is yeah when the second wave began. became yeah. yeah
3: but yeah the first wave was all they like that they're all mostly if I'm not Mistake and there were like pastors' wives and women in the church that were speaking out. Um, there it was big, it coincided with the abolitionist movement a lot. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're basically like, Hey, we should be able to vote because we're people and people, (laughs) we're we're, 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 people, yeah, yeah.
0: And And someone was
2: like, No, you're not.
0: (laughs) Basically, yeah, to me, is imagine that there was somebody that would look at a woman. A right. woman and go, you're less than right. You're it's you're not patriarchy. as important. The patriarchy, man. yeah. It's, but see, that's how far removed we are from it. That I'm here. I am um, a middle-aged man, and, I, and two daughters. I would be outraged if someone treated my daughters that way.
3: I be mean, I'd that go. didn't happen. And this wasn't that long ago. This was what,
0: in the we say twentieth
1: 20th,
3: 20th like, century. You're like,
1: like, third American like the American. Oh yeah,
3: religion, yeah. third like, way, yeah.
1: But there's a. You know, whole East, european movement of things, Listen, it? I don't
3: talk I don't care so, about Europe, all right? <laughs> we're talking about America.
0: All right, so you got this first, is first
1: wave, second wave.
2: Well, and the, we're in the Can third wave. I, can I yes. add something? The awesome thing honestly about I'm the I'm sorry, the, we
0: were talking. Can you please...
2: <laughs> <talk>? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, woman, do I raise my hand? <laughs> um No, the awesome thing about the first wave was that there was this kind of symbiotic relationship between left-leaning women and conservative women yeah. because they could kind of rally around this cause of, um, like equal rights <laughs> and nothing was super outlandish. And there were, um, you know, some figures in the, in the first wave, and I'm trying to remember who they were, uh, Frances Willard, Susan mm-hmm. B. Anthony, um, Hannah Moore, if you want to talk about Europe, um, who had I don't. a, a, a positive, <laughs> who had a positive influence, um, and who didn't undermine the roles of being a wife and a mother, which was really key to the first wave.
3: Yeah. Yep. And, also, and then it wasn't. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then it kind of, you know, depleted with the second and third wave because it became more radical and yeah. about the sexual revolution. And yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And then just to go ahead and say, just to throw this out there, all like, of the th- first wave founders of feminism were anti-abortion. That was right. a, hu- a huge point. There's like none of them. The founders were... of
0: what wave? Third wave? Third first wave. First wave. First
3: wave. Like all oh, them, they were yeah. all strictly anti-abortion.
0: What year was that around?
3: I don't know. I don't have my computer.
2: Eighteenth uh, and nineteenth yeah, centuries. centuries. Yeah.
1: Europe was was abortion around in the eighteenth century? Well, in France, had... there's a huge issue. This is where it kind of all started. It was primarily due to the fact that men would leave their wives and go have mistresses. Right. And they'd be Found out that the mistresses would have babies, mm-hmm. and so in France, I think it was like 1830 1840s where you had a high rate of women just dying without any type of protection at oh. all from state or from so just the home. They're just being used, and they were women who were mistresses, mm-hmm. mistresses, and that just became a huge, you know, issue. Is that because like the
3: heir to the fortune? You'd have these. Well,
1: it's French. Have the. <laughs> the after, the, after the revolution, like there was no morality. It was like yeah. any way you could go, you, everything was true.
3: Yeah, but I mean, was killing the child. What year was the
1: the child? years were these? The eighteen thirties, eighteen forties. So it was pre the liberal movement of. Well, like this is uh, if you want to talk about like liberalism. This is the start of the libertine. Okay, like hmm. all of libertinism comes from the French Revolution. So that's why it's like you gotta go to Europe to find out yeah, first yeah, way. Yeah. feminism. It's all all, right. That's always when case it imports even? itself to. Come know, on. England and then the United States it becomes more of a defense, defense, defensible type of reason like they want the vote they want to be able to say you can't just leave a woman without having any type of protective services from the government Right. Like to say we have to take care of these children the state needs to come in and so we must be able to have a voting block that gives uh, you know rights to women that's kind of where it started so you might argue that it's not they weren't for abortion but they are also for state welfare yeah mm. they wanted or the um Oliver Stone or Oliver Twist story yeah the premise of a, a, a child please sir more. being able to be abandoned <laughs> like that and having having the state t- pick them up the reason the state was there's an incentive for it was because women fought for that hmm. there was a line on them that was so where does where does lay
0: come into all this whole thing uh, that's wrong culture. Wrong culture. Wrong, sorry.
2: <laughs> um, something I just want to add, because this this goes unnoticed, I think, a lot is um, in the late nineteenth and early twentieth century in the states. Not all women were even on board with yeah gaining the right to vote. Like it's kind of framed in this way where women were super oppressed. It was all men, but kind of you know surprisingly to someone who's a twenty first century person women were not all super on board and it wasn't until that marriage of conservative feminism with left-leaning feminism it wasn't until they united that the majority of women were were more likely to get on board and kind of coalesce around
0: I had heard that through the the voting, like in the voting era of when that was emerging and the feminism was really pushing that forward, that even the women were not allowed to vote who they wanted. They had to ask their husband, who am I supposed to vote for? Oh, interesting. You tell me who to vote for. And so the husbands were actually even still... Kind of at not allowing them to get in that voting booth and have their own. Indep- now, who so knows? like what
3: Hillary said, because I guess it still goes on, right? Oh, right, <laughs> totally. Yeah.
0: That's totally her. thing, Yeah, <laughs> all but these that's women what she were said. forced to vote for Trump because these white middle class. Well, I think
1: on, on, <laughs> men, like, on aggregate, like that's still true. Like <clears throat> women still typically will follow pursuit with what their husbands vote. I mean, if you, yeah. If well, you run the statistics <laughs> of that. It's actually. Well, wait There's a second. Data well, wait, wait, you're clear. married. What I'm answer? married, right? Yeah.
0: And, and and so, you know, my wife and I, will sit around and we'll talk about who we're going to vote for and why. And typically, we're, we're, we're very similar in the sense of our values. I mean, that was one of the things that when we got married, like, so it's not going to be... what
2: brought you to, yeah. Right. So the, you ni- united around. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, if she was like, if it came to the last election, she wanted to vote for Hillary, I we would have had some serious conversations because I would have had to ask her why like what is it that's making you want to vote for this one after all
3: these years i don't know anything about you <laughs>
0: no, i don't know it. you <laughs> yeah. who are you
2: no. unmasks herself <laughs> yeah
0: you know she she pulls a prius out of the garage and there's a sticker on the back i'm with her <laughs> but uh, no i mean because i'm and, and like like rosie and i were talking on a podcast, we, we were like, we were talking about how we voted, and and right. I was like, I didn't necessarily vote for Trump, it wasn't right. my choice, but it, it was definitely a vote against Hillary. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's how much I didn't want her to win. My right. parents
3: but, did not vote the same way, though. They didn't? No. Were
0: uh, they both conservative, or was yeah, like yeah. Hillary? Yeah,
3: yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, well, they, did, they didn't vote for Hillary, but it was I, interesting. I don't hmm. have a problem. My dad's a never-Trumper, so...
0: Yeah, <laughs> see, I wouldn't have a problem if my wife was like, well, you know... He, he, You know, all the things that came out. Grab a, you know, whatever. And so here's this guy who's morally bankrupt, you know, been married four times. If she felt like, I don't want that man to be president, but I'm going to vote for this other person who still reflects a majority of my values, I would have been down with that. I wouldn't have any problem with that. You know what I mean? But for me, it was an issue of, okay, we're down to these two individuals, and if I don't vote for him, there's a better chance that the one I don't want to be elected, and that's a problem with our electoral system, <laughs> well, especially right, in honestly. in this state. In in this state, particular, because we we went from red to purple to blue, yeah, and, and and we're we are trending back a little bit. It was very close to becoming a red state this last election, but um, we're gonna we're not gonna. Believe. All
1: I was saying. <laughs> Hillary Clinton wasn't wrong where she said that on average women she was always wrong their husbands well, she's always I, I'm, I'm wrong actually oh, I'm actually curious
2: kidding. if are there like what are the statistics to white women to back that up
1: it's I I was had it up earlier he was uh, looking at it the political research quarterly from the University of Utah this is something that was released about a year ago and she probably pulled from it but it's like 60 plus percent mm. women who are married will vote with their husbands were they will take the lead at least from them when the exit polls were given I wonder or if she most would. questions were asked
0: I wonder if she would do hmm. the same though who?
1: Hillary? Yeah,
0: she. I. It's a lock. Her and her husband have the same wow. values and political leanings and all of that. I mean, they get. Well, paid hopefully, by you the same.
3: marry someone that has the same right? values with you in they're the first place.
1: Yeah, those are like certain individual yeah. measures, but this is like the the aggregate, the, the whole. Like when you're taking this as a class, like you're seeing these, this represented within a certain block. Yeah. So anyway, to say that, that's probably a good thing that people are voting together, but.
3: I'm not going to say mm. what I was laughing at. Or <laughs> well, you were laughing at. It. You can't do that and then not I'll laugh. say it after the podcast. Oh. It's not it's not for the podcast.
0: Okay, all right, Gotcha. So, let's go back to I want to I want to go back to Christianity, feminism. Yeah. Is there a version of Christian feminism that glorifies God?
2: Um So,
0: have you, ever, have you ever been asked that question before?
2: Uh, no, I haven't, but okay. I, I have asked myself that question, actually. Okay, good. Um,
1: well, we have to ask, like, what does our version of feminism mean? Because that means many different right. things to different people. Right. right. To me, the word, and so I'm jumping in here, sorry. Totally. Is completely um, repugnant to, to the idea of biblical roles, biblical identity, because feminism is basically saying... Well,
3: it's because it's been changed.
1: Well not only that yeah. You're basically claiming Feminism The feminas- the feminine aspect Either was A Missing Or needs to be elevated There's a conversation But then you Point yourself As either male or female As being feminist The name itself Points to a problem You don't have Meninist Or masculinist people promoting themselves as a movement that wants equality.
3: Yeah, there are the men's right... Men, men's Wait, well, rights of the
1: activists. Group that aren't <laughs> and crazies. they're
2: all on YouTube. They're just YouTube <laughs> <Yeah>. communities. <laughs> like, the
1: name itself begs, what is it exactly you're asking for? If you asked even... Or Mr. Rosie, sorry. <laughs> I did that. Pause. You asked Rosie earlier um, if he was a, a feminist. Like, that in itself should stop us in our tracks. Yeah. Like, you're male being asked if you're identifying within female traits. That's as biological and basic as you can get without going back to a definition of what feminism is. Like, the name itself screams we're against something rather than saying we're for total equality. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. You'd find another word if you wanted the true... Um, equality you'd find another word if you wanted true inclusive um, relations between the genders i'm just saying that that word itself is i got you i see what you're it's saying promoting one more than the other
2: right so it and it is really difficult in defining our terms because even that word has the the connotations to that word has obviously evolved over time and through the the three waves, um, so it's really hard to pin down. <clears throat> if you do like a little Google search <laughs> uh, on the word feminism, you'll get like a few different things. One of them is the theory of the political, economic, and social equality of the sexes. Organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. The radical notion that women are people. If you go on Pinterest, I'm sure you can buy a shirt that says that. Women um,
1: are people. <laughs> the radical
2: notion. That women radical are notion. Which, which is of course trying to make it like. If you were, like, any reasonable person, you would be a feminist, right? Right. Like, um, but... Or if you're not, you're somehow a racist. Right, right. Yes. (laughs) It it jumps over to, like, an entirely different (laughs) issue, but it... Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, So, yeah, the original question, I think, was, is feminism... And can it glorify God within, like, the Christian realm? Hmm. Um, and, And I did ask myself this at one point, like is feminism positive or good insofar as it yields to scripture? And in that way, can I, can I embrace it? Um, and I decided no, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I decided no, because scripture is sufficient. Yeah. And, and first of all, it comes with just an immense amount of baggage. Okay. Um, in addition to the fact that it's got, you know, it's just, it's dripping in, like, neo-Marxism and postmodernism and secularism. And so to, to bring that into the church is um, not beneficial to the body of Christ or to the kingdom of God. Um, and then also, like, we don't we, – it's simply not necessary. Like, scripture already affirms women – in the most fundamental and extravagant way um, through our Creator. So, and we have pictures of women being used um, for God's glory, and Jesus treated women with respect and love. And so I just don't think it's necessary. I think when people do try to, to tie it into their version of Christianity, what ends up happening is the lenses switch and they start looking at their Christianity through their feminism right. rather than the other way around. And it's just, it's it's not a danger worth toying with. Well,
0: I want to go back to what you said originally, that if biblically feminism, it, you have to hold the Bible over feminism in right. order for it to glorify God mm-hmm. and, versus the other way around. And, and, right. and I just in my mind, I was led to this verse out of Galatians. This is I love this verse. It's Galatians 3:27, and it says, "For all of you were baptized into Christ. Uh, I'm sorry, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed, your, clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, mm. male nor female, uh, for all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise." So right. it, it, it seems to me that the Bible has already dealt with this issue of feminism yeah. and Jesus becomes the great equalizer. Right. And I, I use the same argument for race. In the church, like the church should not be dealing with racial issues. It yeah. should not be dealing with these gender issues. If we're two thousand years along. Yeah, we should have written, and it has been actually right the book on this, and we should be setting the really what the standard is. Mm-hmm. So, if a woman wants to find ultimate um, value, worth, acceptance, freedom, uh, it first and foremost should be found in the body of believers. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, that's why I wanted to key off the first question that you had, because one of the great critiques that I have, or that I've always heard of the evangelical church, is that women don't have a place Mm -hmm. to serve the way that they feel gifted or called. Right. And so there's this, um, so then what it does is it creates a pushback. Exactly. For these Christian feminists who then move into a different direction. I heard an awesome illustration from a, a pastor this morning. He said, and I love this because it gives a it gives a great um, illustration of what I'm going to point out. He says, uh, if you take the church plus the gospel, um, or if you take the the church plus the gospel minus the culture, mm-hmm. you end up with fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. So basically, what you have is you have Christians that retreated into their own like haven mm-hmm. so there's no cultural they, like the culture is bad we're not gonna we're not gonna have the, right we're not, you're not gonna dress like they, you're not gonna listen to that music you're not gonna watch those movies you're not gonna drink isolation that, is right a, yeah if you have if you have the church plus the gospel um and uh or if you have the church minus the gospel plus culture you have liberalism. Right. So the culture infiltrates the church, but there's no gospel to keep to purify it, right? And to bring it into into right standing. Yeah. And then he says, But if you have the church plus the gospel plus the culture, then you have infiltration. Mm-hmm. And he says this is Matthew twenty eight. This mm-hmm. is go into all the world, right? right. And so I, I use that as an example because when we talk about these issues of racism, feminism, what, you know, whatever it is that you're dealing with, the word of God has addressed them. Amen. And we've got a standard and a foundation to build off of. It's just a matter of sticking to it Mm -hmm. in the most holy way. But I think we've lost a little bit of well, it's like a pendulum right through history. So it swings one way, and you get all of these, you know, uh, churches. So like for instance, with the with females in you know women in ministry and those. So I am sensing that in the next ten years or so there's gonna be a real pendulum swing where women are gonna actually be forced into positions where maybe they're appropriate for men, mm-hmm. but men will not be permitted because they wanna they wanna make a statement that affirmative you know, action? Well <laughs> yeah, in in some ways it Yeah in some ways it Affirmative
1: abdication. That's the start of feminism, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Well. So yeah, men don't do what they're supposed to do. Women pick up where they leave off, right? And they, they do. You know, Adam was right there with Eve when, when the fruit went, when she was with the fruit there. The whole you know he was right there with her when Satan was. But he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He abdicated his role of protection and providing and, and um, for her. And, and in the church. So I see a, I, you know, I'm not a prophet. Maybe, maybe I am, but I Ooh. get your stones, boy, Get your stones out. But um, <laughs> uh, but I see a pendulum swing. So where there was this real, like pushing away of women and 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 really just trying to keep them. You no, know, you do women's ministry. You do children's nursery. You can you can balance the books. You can make this phone call. Right. Um. You can go print these things off for me. Um. Uh, where that lasted for a long time and then there's this rise of women who are like i'm called to more than this i can't i can't do what god created me to do in this environment and they bust out of there and so they go to like you know they, they go to parachurch organizations and then, right yeah. or they find a body of believers and the body of believers isn't balanced well enough and so and now it's like there's no there's no structure and order, like I was talking about at the beginning, Mm -hmm. of, you know, God set it up, Adam and Eve, and the church, and the the family, and, you know, Romans 6, it's an illustration, marriage is an illustration, so there is this structure that God's provided, and so they swing back the other way, and what's happening is if enough people swing back that way, the church, sadly, has this history of buying into that so they don't lose them, Mm -hmm. and so they permit it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's what I'm concerned about. So how do you strike that balance?
2: Yeah, and that's a great question. And I think that's that's where we're at right now is like, because if you can strike that balance, and I think what that looks like is the inclusion of of women in ways that are permissible by the word, but that maybe we don't embrace just because it we're not, I don't know, it's not intuitively, um, our first inclination, or because we've bought more into ideas of traditionalism. Um, so I think we have to, to really examine that wisely and bring women more into the fold. Uh, not in ways that they're usurping power and overthrowing you know, male leadership, but right. just in ways that they're included. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, so you got to be intentional.
2: Absolutely. So, have,
0: so the church is going to be intentional about creating places for women to exercise and walk in their gifting, right? And to use those things and and include them, right? Into the conversation. So so I'm, I was talking to somebody who's on the board of a, of a church today, and they have a, they have three women on. They have it's a small church. They have about eight, seven or eight people on their board, and three of them are women.
2: Yeah,
0: and uh, I was stoked about that. I was actually really stoked about that because what's going to happen is this board—they're not—they're not necessarily um, finalizing the spiritual direction of the church. That's what the—that's what the elders are going to do. Um, but but what's happening is they're lending counsel to some of those decisions in various ways that an elder may not be gifted in. Mm-hmm. And so, and one of the things that I can say is that I don't always think like a woman, right? So as an, as an elder making, <laughs> but dis- you look
2: like one. Uh, just right? kidding. My gray beard. But I thinking. feel like
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> I, identify, <laughs> I identify as one, right? <laughs> Depends. But uh, so, anyways, I I just think that um, there is, I think there's a healthy way to make, to for Christianity to express the roles of men, women, you know, in ministry. Jesus, look, man, Jesus, <laughs> I, I heard this recently, the first person he revealed himself to after the resurrection women. was women, yeah. yeah. Those who stuck by him at the cross, women, you know. John. Um, John was there, yeah. He
1: was, some boy. He was, a little boy.
0: <laughs> he was a youngin'.
1: Take care of my little boy, he mama. Did.
0: That's right, well, take care of my mama little boy is yeah. what he said, but uh, you know, and and uh, so there was, and, and you, when you go through Paul's letters, He's writing to people in particular. Um, you get to 15, chapter 15 of Acts, and you've got um, uh, Lydia with the with she you know she responds to the gospel and she now becomes a financier of the ministry of Paul. In um, secretary. No, she was not a second. <laughs> well, heck, you no. Know, check this out. I'm, I'm going to say something about that in a second. So I said that. Oh, you, All right. Well, you want to no. say it first? No. I was just going to say she was pretty wealthy, probably because those purple. I <laughs> was 31, man. The, yeah, that's right. She was making the money. But that that uh, I read an article about. I don't. I haven't researched it enough, so I don't want to say this is, you know, stone cold truth. But, um, but from what I understood from this article is that to extract that purple. Um, die they had to there was a certain type of fish or snail or something snail, yeah. and so they had to catch these snails and it was very very valuable and she was so she probably made really good money and it's likely that she financed that three year missions trip in Ephesus that built that little mega church that ended up happening. It was probably on Lydia's you know mm. bankroll you know so that that can, snail money snail trip. money maybe better than crypto right no <laughs> <laughs> They call that snail chain. <laughs> snail chain? <laughs> snail chain money.
1: What were you going to say about Lydia? Not just Lydia, just the idea, idea of, uh, and I'll say this, just the, the evangelical industrial complex. Oh. Uh, you the, said it! You yeah. said it! The intelligentsia. <laughs> the, uh, the leading voices that, you know, these are such major concerns everywhere, so everybody must you know, retreat in corners and find out what their strategy to combat racism and sexism in their local churches. It's probably true. I mean, we're all sinners. We're all misogynistic. We're all racist in some degree, I guess. But um, the advancement of the uh, links between our church here, or wherever you are going to church, and a church in, say, North Carolina or New York, the experiences that they're happening, they're having in the local body are very different. Sometimes you'll never have those same experiences. Sometimes you will have an experience that nobody else will have. But we broadcast them as it's the daily. This is happening in every single mm-hmm. church, uniquely, equally, and so we all must have a response. Um, you, you spoke to not all are. are um, there's no difference between Jew, Gentile. Yeah, Galatians you know, 3. Positionally in Christ, God doesn't see those things as qualifying factors. He actually levels it all out and says, In me is where you find your equality. And we have to lose ourselves to gain that. So he establishes that on a whole level for all Christians to come and be trained by him and to understand how do we go back into the world. And then you, I mean, you mentioned also Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem Council. The Council on you know how do you... How do you deal with different races? Like he, the the church has already gone through a lot of these birth pangs of dealing with different demographics. Like, what do we do here? Well, they've settled a lot of these things. Uh, One of the things I wanted to make as a point is I would probably be a feminist if I wasn't a Christian. (laughs) I've made that statement several times and people have been like, what are you talking about? Well, there's no other hope for, I have three daughters, my wife. There's no other hope in the world that the world is offering that I could see that would make any other sense to just demand there to be equality through force. Mm. Like in my generation or the generations that previously have fought for this equality, um, the ruling mantra was might equals right. and I would believe that to be so true that I would call it like come along the cause of feminism because there is no other hope. We have to take it. Because the alternative is something we cannot identify, which is the perpetual sinfulness of men. And the perpetual sinfulness of men is what a natural person cannot identify, so it wants to destroy it. just wants to kill it. Like, literally kill it. And in Christ, we see that as a uh, a mirror. It, It is us. Not some sort of outside force. It's us. And so, because I am a Christian, I could not be a feminist. Because... I would only perpetuate a false salvation. That we can achieve some sort of equality if we only mm-hmm. killed an outside, external right. wrath right. or yeah. sin. Yeah, Where the gospel points it all back into us. So the defilement which is in me perpetuates generationally if I do not confess my sin personally and particularly to the Lord. And if I teach my children... To walk in the way of the Lord, there it is covering a multitude of sins that could have happened. So we pass on this through families. It's my biggest argument. We talk about the church, you know, how women operate in churches, how do they, you know, get staffed at a church. Um, I think there's many qualified men that should never be staffed at a church. I'll say that. There's many qualified women. That should never be staffed at a church. Uh, they should be in a home. They should be raising families together. I think you'll see the biggest problems in our society and even in church. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say women should be at home? Men and women. Yeah. Men and women should be. Yeah, at home. there should be a unity in the home. I was I know,
2: halfway 100%. triggered
1: <laughs> halfway before
2: <laughs> your <laughs> clarification. Um,
1: but there, there's that. There's that discontinuity where you're having a disconnect it's in the home yeah and you see that in the church where women go to church more than men and then you have men leading church in a leadership form more than women are and those are two different aggregates you can look at but in all of this i think one of my areas my wheelhouse i like to spin is the family you break that down, yep. you break society down, yep. you break the complexion of what church looks like. Everything. You break what we're trying to achieve in the church. You know, in, in the ends of where we're going in the culture. If you break down the family, like you go back to Genesis, it all falls. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. what he attacked first, right? Yeah, I'd argue more in that realm than I would in yeah. women on boards, women as pastors. Those are areas where I'm passionate about, but my bigger concern is. All these single people, all of them. Like let's, there's there's just a per, like in my mind. There's was asked about three years ago. The biggest problem with Christianity in the church is uh, I mean the brokenness of the family, and you look at the idea of divorce, remarried, or people choosing primarily not to get married. And they have a a million reasons, yeah, financial, the yeah. world. I'm not ready, they're not ready, they're not ready, yeah, you know, they have your friends, the advice, you know, your own expectations if um,
0: if like Bitcoin would just hit twenty five thousand, <laughs> then I would be ready hundred thousand right. how much 100000 hundred thousand hundred if it hits a hundred thousand, we'll all be ready
3: the next two years, and then Jesus put we'll that return. on the bank, all right <laughs> are you profit? yeah,
0: all right. <laughs> Well, I agree with you, Cody. I think I think that that's the nail on the head. There, is as the as the family goes, so the culture goes, so the church goes. I mean, there's, you know, as the church goes, so the culture goes. There's going to be that whole breakdown. They're all connected. And
3: and that's down. what they're attacking right now.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, for the past fifty Six years, Fifty yeah. years, right? yeah, <laughs> forever.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: So all right, it's been an it's been an hour. Yeah, sorry about that. So but so just to, to to summarize everything that we've been talking about here. So there there is a greater need for the church to respond to women in ministry mm-hmm. and they can do a better job. Yes. Um and, and there are women ready. I think God's raising up women right now. You're probably one of them, Nikki. To, to be used right. yeah to absolutely be used by by the Lord and 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 Cody has uh, what three daughters I have two daughters uh, I'm ready I want I want them to be I want that glass ceiling that glass ceiling to be shattered right of <laughs> 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 ministry No I'm just kidding but define um, that Yeah right I know oh. right I want them to be able to, to preach in front of thousands and no um I'm kidding uh but all right so w- the church can do better and and not only that, but if feminism is going to infiltrate, it needs to infiltrate on the submission to the Word of God, and um, and then whatever doesn't line up needs to be just eradicated from that particular philosophy.
2: Yeah, and I would even suggest that it shouldn't infiltrate at all.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. like
2: because right. because I, because I did originally. Well, and hold I,
0: on. I, some would argue. Yeah. That my first statement about the evangelical church doing a better job would right. be a form of feminism.
2: yeah and that that's a that's a valid point i would say in response to that it's not necessary to call on feminism to support that claim you can use scripture and you should yeah um but but
1: womanhood is defined by the bible by the
2: word of god yeah so
1: that's why i said my argument for not being a christian i'd be a feminist right there's nothing else for me to pull on i'd make up something Right, like feminism. Right, right, yeah.
2: <laughs> and 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 I would say also, uh, you know, if you're talking about feminism and your audience is, our is our language, um, if your audience is you know a group of Christians, that's one thing. If you're talking about feminism and your audience is a group of non-believers, it's an entirely different ball game. Oh yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So you know, we've kind of been talking for the most part like our audience is composed of believers. Um, but if they're non-believers, then you can get into how feminism really replaces salvation and justification and mm-hmm. savior, you know, yeah. um, but anyways, different, different conversations. Well, just just want to clarify that.
1: Someone that I know when I ever, when I talk to them about just topics like this, <laughs> they start and they go ahead and they go, just remember, I'm an extreme feminist. Like they go ahead and add like the extra like i will murder you yeah. if this offends me to the degree that you know i don't like it why do you interact with them uh do you have end, to yeah yeah i do have to this individual i, I do every day i have to every but day. at the end like this person's desperately crying out like i am extremely mm. lost yeah. yeah like when you enter into these conversations know that i'm waiting in deep waters mm. and i don't even want you to come out here like, they're yeah. warning me that it'll get bad, and I'm like, it's I'm ready. Shark infested, right. bro. Yeah. It's like deep. Sharp.
2: But actually, if <laughs> if I can sort of piggyback on, and you were like probably half joking, you know, when, when you asked if you had to, you know, talk with him. But I would just say to, to people who kind of get um, turned off by folks who are sort of enslaved by other dogmas, um, don't let it intimidate you. And, and and not even intimidate, but also, um, don't let it um, scare you. I, I don't mean like you're oh, I'm so frightened, but but <laughs> you know.
0: And how was that? that, try, was like, <laughs> <laughs> that
2: was but great. I mean, I think a lot of people are like, oh, they're not like me, and they're they're so wrapped around this dogma. I'm not even gonna deal with that. Yeah. Whereas as Christians we can we can see that and our hearts should just break for them because they are lost like you said and
0: well he's got the life raft for this person right. in deep water right he has the answer
1: that they need
2: so really we have the yeah. obligation to we do, to right? pursue no, them like Christ like yeah
1: Paul said like there's an in a, there's a, we're in debt yeah in this sense we haven't to day. yeah labor over that and yeah. just. I know you want to end on this, but this w- this particular she was she was a feminist she was a woman, um, yeah. You, do you, her, did you ask her, her if her she identifies as a woman? Of this, most of the, yeah, she does. Okay. Did you assume <laughs> that? No, <laughs> she does. Okay. But most of the conversations usually lead to how her husband was a horrible man, mm. uh, and she's still married to him, hmm. and she's bound in that sin. And so, yeah, I mean, it goes back to that. Like I, I, I see those as areas where. I will labor over the history of whatever this woman has assumed, that she understands like feminism and humanism, so that I can try to see there's the real hard issue. She's missing the totally. gospel and she's completely replaced hope, you know, in God because she doesn't believe in him. Hmm. And she's placed it on her own unidentifiable, unidentifiable um, link to salvation to herself, yeah. she can, which will never be adequate. Yeah. Always
0: continuously falling short. Well, this has been an awesome talk. Nikki, uh, you have a blog. Do you want to share I it do up?
2: have a blog. Um, where, and I'm. Where
0: can people find I'm it? I'm
2: very prepared, and I know the URL <laughs> by heart. Right. Um And by heart, I mean I'm on my Instagram right now, and it is <laughs> www.nickystone.org
0: How do you spell Nikki?
2: N-I-K-K-I. All right. The correct way.
0: The correct way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nikki Stone dot uh, com is that what it is dot .org. org don't get
2: them confused i'm Turner. sorry
0: okay yeah that's probably a bad website right so all right that- nikki stone dot org <laughs> and uh and so that's your blog and how often are you are you updating that blog
2: is it- not enough but right because i'm a full-time student that's right. and it, life is hard yeah. um but uh, I mean, at least once a week, I try um, talking all things theology, politics, and culture. There you go. Come check it out.
1: Yeah, you are not the Olympic gold medalist.
2: I'm not. No, yeah. There's a, a Nikki
1: Stone <laughs> gold that's medalist. Like. Oh, that's awesome. If you Google oh, my PG. name,
2: you'll see a lot of blasphemy, but
0: <laughs> don't believe it. Is that pre? Is that before Christ? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I guess. Wow. Well, this has been awesome, and I, it's been really when turtlesfly dot com by Nikki Stone. What is this?
2: <laughs> a thing I can't take credit for. That's what it is. This is amazing. I don't. I don't know what it's that is.
1: When turtles fly. It's just
2: a turtle. But, but yeah, in it, a, a very real way.
0: more turtle. More turtle. turtle with a rocket on his this back. This is fun. That's a that's a nuclear turtle.
1: So, can I? What was the uh, catalyst to the website? Sorry. I don't know anything about this website. What did you say it's it was? It's, it's a blog. It's my blog. What do you do there?
2: I write things. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it helps me
1: pay attention. I'm totally getting on this like. Shoot, shoot.
2: So a blog is a website. What is?
1: <laughs> what is? What are you doing? Let
2: now? me let me just woman explain this to you real quick. Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm I'm totally joking. Um, yeah. So on my blog, I pretty much um just kind of dial things down in formality I'm doing a lot of writing obviously for school and it's like really academic and gets a little stuffy for my taste so I hop on my blog and I write about um, just different things my l- latest article I think was called embrace your quote microaggressions
1: mm. um, this is awesome <laughs> turtles I love it no embrace them. your mark on this,
2: oh, yeah. I
1: like you that's why I'm beating you
2: Yes, I earned his approval.
1: You did. You're good.
2: Um all right. But yeah, I don't know. It
0: You've broken it's... the third wall of <laughs> of uh the podcast feminism uh, breakdown excellent that's the cody barrier
2: but uh make sure you subscribe
0: <laughs> yeah fact, subscribe to our blogs and, and and subscribe to the podcast and if you like what you've been hearing uh tell others about it smash the like button give us a review we will try to respond and if it's a bad review well we'll just ignore it so that's how we do the things here at all out war uh, i am hooch and we are signing off rosie until next time. Bye. See ya, <laughs> Cody. See you guys, Nikki. Thanks for coming in. Maybe we'll have you again. Would you join us again?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Maybe we can make you a regular part of this thing. What? Maybe I, something. Is
2: this? A, am I? Uh,
0: All right. com- Goodbye. Promote it.
1: Just job.
0: <laughs> thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us or you can find us on Twitter at All Out War Cast. Hey, thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.